0: hello everybody and welcome to the spoiler warning podcast This is review number 654 with a review of judas and the black messiah i'm christopher schnazy
1: and i'm steven miller
0: and if you're joining us for the first time the spoiler warning podcast is a weekly film review program each week on the show we're going to dive in debate discuss and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you um this week we were talking about a film uh, which we saw during the sundance film festival um, that just finished and uh, it is currently streaming on hbo max so everybody can go watch it now and uh yeah it's 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 been just a little over a week i think since we've seen it steven um we 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 talked about it briefly in our our crazy review that we did of the 27 films that we decided to talk about from our time in sundance um did you happen to check out the film again steven in this short short break or did you take a nice weekend off like i did
1: (laughs) i took a weekend off i have not uh I, I've not revisited it, but no, I I honestly, except for the other movie that we are definitely reviewing tonight, I have not watched a single film since Sundance ended. <laughs> I, I was just like done with movies for a while.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely felt the same. I, I did watch something, um, uh, a little animated film <laughs> just in the middle of the week last week, just as a little like one night I was bored and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna, you know, I think it was probably the night after I released that crazy episode and was like, you know what? I deserve just to shut off my head and watch a fun little, <laughs> little animated movie. Um but besides yep. that I haven't really dipped my toe back in obviously besides the other movie we're going to be reviewing um either. So But it feels good to be back.
1: <laughs> yeah, it does. Back back in the swing of things. I'm I I do enjoy these festivals and we're going to, you know, do it again, hopefully a little bit less volume. But we've already been looking at South by, for for instance. Um, So I know we are going to inflict this on ourselves further. But I do look forward to a life of one or two movies a weekend instead of, you know, (laughs) 27 movies. (laughs) I I think it's more my speed.
0: Yep, uh, as is, I mean, I still remember the times when I thought that like watching three movies in one weekend seemed like excessive. Um,
1: I know, I remember the first time we decided to do like two reviews in a weekend and it, and it felt like, can we really pull this off? And then we flew too close to the sun one weekend and we did like six <laughs> reviews or something, but <laughs> yeah. um, festivals are a whole different ballgame.
0: Yep well uh now that we survived it's time for us to give like more in-depth reviews um than we did for the the festival as a whole so what do you say Stephen? we just get started
1: <laughs> let's get started
0: all right we're gonna take a listen to the trailer for judas and the black messiah and then we're gonna come back and give you a review deputy chairman fred hampton of the illinois black panther party For the stolen car, five years for impersonating a federal officer, or you can go home. The Black Panthers are forming a rainbow coalition of oppressed brothers and
1: sisters of every color.
0: Their aim is to show hatred and inspire terror. I
1: will learn all that I can. I will learn all that I can. These ain't no terrorists. You can murder
0: and liberate them, you can't murder liberation. <laughs> You can murder revolutionary, but you can't murder
1: revolution! And you can murder a freedom fighter, but you can't murder freedom!
0: So that was the trailer for Judas and the Black Messiah uh, Is the real life story of a man named Bill O'Neill, who uh, was basically recruited by the FBI and helped them infiltrate the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party and ultimately led to the assassination of Chairman Fred Hampton. Stephen Miller, what did you think of Judas and the Black Messiah?
1: Um, I thought this movie was great. Uh, I mean, it... There's definitely the festival effect where watching this movie sandwiched in between all the other things we were binging, I think it was just refreshing to see what felt like a like a real movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't mean that to be like demeaning to other festival films, but you know, a, a lot of festival films feel like a great idea that is maybe well acted and a little shaky in the execution and trying to you know swing and a miss and. Judas and the Black Messiah. I like the closest thing I could compare it to, and this is maybe a strange comparison. Is The Departed? Like, like it felt like a movie to me where just out of the gate, it's like we are going to like we we know exactly what tone we want this film to be. We are going to tell you a story about like competing narratives. It is all going to fit. We are going to catch you up exactly as much as you need to, and you know. Trust us, just roll with it, and and I feel like this movie just really, really, really delivered. I think "Widows" was the other movie that I uh, I thought about too, of just like captivating from the jump, um, which is interesting because this is not like for a biopic, this is not the kind of standard formula you would choose. Like this is a film about Fred Hampton, played by Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, he is the like main centerpiece of the story, but he is not like the lead character in the story. Like the point of view is like Keith Stanfield or William O'Neill. And that flip side of like seeing a larger than life figure as told by the person who will betray him, I, I think just makes it very interesting because you get to see like what made Fred Hampton such a captivating figure. Um I remember when we reviewed Selma like what was that, seven years ago now? <laughs> um, <laughs> but what really stuck with me about Selma when I watched it was how David Oyelowo's voice had this kind of, like, rhythm to it. Like, the the idea of, like, an orator and how, like, just speaking could be so captivating and how you could gather people around you with the kind of rhythm of your voice. And I feel like Daniel Kahlia really has that here. And getting to see how an outsider who was brought into this world would kind of become swept up in it just by being in his orbit. I feel like that was really, really, really interesting. And I I don't know what else to call it except intoxicating. Like, every time he was giving a speech, I was, like, in rapt attention in this movie. Um, And the rest of it, I, I don't know. Like, we've seen so many films recently that are set at, like, the end of the 60s, beginning of the 70s, um you know, try the Chicago seven or hop over the pond. And, uh, why am I blanking on the small Axe movie? Um, the first in the series. Yeah. Mangrove (laughs) mangrove. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Mangrove, which occurs like a year later, um, like this time of kind of social unrest and black liberation movements starting to kind of take hold. Um, it was just really, really interesting, and I thought this movie does a good job of towing the line between being like fiercely independent and also being a kind of palatable movie that I think could be widely liked by people who watch it, um, because it it is dealing with some pretty tough stuff, or at least stuff that five years ago would have been seen as tough to like give to a mainstream audience, like showing the Black Panther Party in shootouts with the police, right? Depicting the FBI as clearly the villains in the story. Like, there's stuff like that that not that long ago, it would have been kind of absurd to think that HBO would pick up a movie like this and it would go wide and be, like, a pretty big success story. <laughs> um, and, it, like, like, now it feels like it strikes that nerve, like the public is just ready to see a movie like this. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I... I just thought it was really cool. I don't get Jesse Plemons as much as I think other people do. Um, <laughs> me included. <laughs> I feel like he, he... Jesse Plemons is good at being a unsettling dude who you don't trust. And I feel like, to me, that's all he is. And people have been raving about him in this movie in a way that makes me wonder if there's more layers to it that I just am, like, too dumb to notice. Um because to me, he always plays the same character. And in this time, he just happens to be like sitting at a desk at an FBI place instead of somewhere <laughs> else.
0: <laughs> I mean, he is kind of his character from Game Night, right? <laughs> just that guy's yeah, been exactly. promoted yeah, over right. the years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is 100% the same character. <laughs> uh, the other uh, other than him, the other person that I don't get, and this I think is more widely agreed, is Martin Sheen as J. Edgar Hoover in like, like a mountain of prosthetics that just seemed like completely (laughs) unnecessary to me (laughs) that that was like watching another movie whenever he appeared like your target demo for this movie does not know or care exactly what j edgar hoover looked like like you you don't need to jump through that many hoops just to look like this guy that like like leonardo DiCaprio didn't try to do that like like just i I don't know be be yourself man it would be better but that (laughs) The reason to watch this movie is obviously the the leads anchoring it and the story of Fred Hampton. And I think like Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield both do an amazing job at two very, very, very different kind of roles. Um, I think what I like about Lakeith Stanfield here is he is basically the lead of this film. Like The camera's on him more than anyone else. Yeah. But he plays it in such a kind of unsettling way where you... He doesn't know his own motivations, so you can't really know his own motivations. And I feel like there's a there's a kind of like fearlessness to that of being willing to just be like indecipherable while this other character is like so mesmerizing and you can just kind of be like slimy in the foreground. I don't know. It, it seems like a cool move and like a kind of an interesting shift in his career. Um, so I was here for that. But yeah, that's how I felt.
0: um um, yeah as as you know from our our you know omnibus review we did from the festival i really really love this film um i i i was really captivated by uh the character that lakeith stanfield is playing in this um like i know some people i've seen some some sort of um not really complaints but just sort of like little bit of sadness from people online just saying that like it kind of sucks that this story is centered around the FBI and what they're doing and less around Fred Hampton um as you mm-hmm. said you still get that experience of of seeing the man that Fred Hampton was through just the short time that you get to, to be around him but I, w- I was really impressed by the decision to center it around Bill O'Neill like this is uh, you brought up The Departed right and in The Departed you're watching a character who is undercover and you're rooting for like the undercover person, right? Like you want them to not get caught, not get found out. If they're in danger, you're worried about them in this film. You know, you're following the villain, but like, because of the, like, because of just narrative structure, like part of the back of your brain is still, Oh no, I'm worried about him. What's going to (laughs) happen. Right? Like you're, you're still following this character that like the film kind of wants you to root for, but you know that you're, watching the person who is going to betray the person that you're actually watching this film to see and I think that there's just something very interesting about watching this person who gets in is is learning about the the people he is spying on as he goes and is slowly learning that maybe what he's doing isn't this harmless thing or isn't as bad because before he's sort of checked out of the situation right he's not really concerned with the Black Panther Party he's not really they they're just a force that is in existence and he's he's doesn't care about it but then when he gets once he once he rolls in he is now getting introduced to it and it's like at, at first he's he's kind of stoked to be to be kind of working um for the FBI cuz he's getting paid to do like not not too bad of a job right <laughs> unless he gets into some yeah. tricky situation where he's in danger he's like no this is pretty cool like i'm hanging out with this guy i'm getting paid to do it i'm just like i'm giving useless information to this to this cop cuz basically over time what we kind of see is like they're not doing anything wrong like they have they have guns and that's scary to j edgar hoover and like it's you know black people trying to stand up for themselves which is scary to j edgar hoover but like besides that he's happy to report on them because he's not giving any incriminating incriminating information right he's just basically taking money from the fbi to, to live his life um, but as things start to get more complicated and he starts to realize that the things he is doing are Uh, leading to worse and worse outcomes for this group of people, then it starts to be this dance of how bad does he feel versus how much is he trying to protect himself from whatever the FBI is holding over him. And I think that there's a really interesting thing to look at that conflict and watch this character and go through this struggle. Um, I talked about it in in the other review, but like at the end of this film, you cut to um, an interview that the real life person had given... um, only inter- interview for TV that he'd ever given. and there is a distinct difference between the 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 remorse that person seems to show um for and the remorse that Lakeith Stanfield is performing in this role. And it's like, I feel like he's making he's making the real life story more complicated and like more sort of interesting and compelling than, I mean, all I know is the 30 seconds we see of this guy from his interview. So it's hard, it's hard to know when like an interviewing interviewer is asking you a leading question. I can't really sum up your entire life in that 30 seconds. Um, But it definitely is like, you're watching this, this film and you're like, wow, this performance is interesting. And like, just really, really deep, and then you see the real-life man, you're like, oh, that's like a completely different person in a way. And, and it's like, it changes the way you're sort of thinking of the character that you've been watching the whole film. And I don't know, I just, I just found myself uh, just wrapped up in this this story and really found the whole thing uh, compelling, so.
1: Yeah, it, well, and I think what the difference, like what LaKeith Stanfield does with the character is he he makes this more of a political awakening movie, right? Because, like, his character, at least in the movie, is someone who he just has a job to do. He's trying to make a buck. He was, you know, swindling people before, and this is just one other, one way he can do it in a more, quote, legitimate way. Um, But then he starts to get more and more wrapped up in the power of Fred Hampton and in the movement that he's fighting for, and he starts to identify with that rather than with the fact that he's going to betray it. And um, yeah. I think that for as a filmmaking device, that works really well because the audience, most of us probably were not that familiar with Fred Hampton going into this movie. At least I, I I wasn't like, I knew he existed. I knew roughly like the events that the movie depicted, but I didn't really know the, the power of them. Right. Like I didn't know what he stood for in the community or the exact circumstances surrounding it. And I think his character is kind of the audience proxy, even though he's the bad guy (laughs) who is like comes in uninformed, doesn't really know a lot. And then he starts to have like the wool taken from his eyes and he starts to see more and more of what, uh, what the world is like. So I, I feel like that's cool. The, the version that we see depicted at the end that it would be more of, like, the Walking Phoenix version of this movie if you decided to play him, <laughs> where it would just be, like, unredeemable and we don't even have access to the inner workings of his brain. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was interesting. You know, it kind of reminded me of, uh, I know, canonically, you were not a big Sopranos fan, um, <laughs> but there's a plot device in The Sopranos. Like, pr- almost any movie, as you mentioned, involving an FBI informant up until now, the target of the fbi is a clearly bad guy right like in the departed you know it's this you know vicious gang leader um in the sopranos everyone is a bad guy <laughs> um, <laughs> and but but there's this thing that happens in the sopranos where some of the guys who flip uh start thinking that by talking to the fbi they are like cops in their own right or they are like heroes or they get like delusions of them being helpful and cool and like they want to go in car chases and they want to provide all this extra info and then occasionally they have to get brought down to earth of like you're not no you still are terrible (laughs) (laughs) like you're just a guy that got caught you know um and i feel like lakeith stanfield kind of has that version here too where he he simultaneously has delusions of being like on the inside of a mission. And like, he's like so helpful in being an informant and he thinks like he has leverage there, but then he also believes himself to very much be a part of the family that he's ratting on. And it's just, I I don't know, it's a kind of interesting dynamic. Yeah. Uh, A thing that I did find interesting about this movie that I didn't know before was seeing the Rainbow Coalition happen. Um, So basically when Fred Hampton gathers like the young lords and the young patriots and there's a... There's a group I'd never heard before called the crowns in this movie. And I looked yeah. it up and they are like an amalgam of different gangs. So they're kind of a fictionalized group, which makes me feel better about not knowing who they were. Um, but, <laughs> but that whole idea of him kind of collecting different leftist organizations together, even if on paper, they otherwise didn't stand for the same things at all. That's uh, interesting and kind of, you know, relevant to today and different like strains of political thought. Yeah. So I, I thought that was kind of like a cool history lesson.
0: It is interesting too how like that scene where he goes to meet like at least the meet where he goes to 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 interact he, he basically crashes like a like a Confederate Party sort of thing, like whatever's mm-hmm. going on, because there's a scene in the beginning where Jesse Plemons is trying to explain this situation to like Heath stanfield and he's like, he's like, hey, I see like the KKK and the Black Panthers is basically two sides of the same coin, and he's basically making an argument of like these are these two groups that are working outside of the justice system to achieve their own their own ends or whatever. But then in the scene he, when he crashes this 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 meeting, he like you know everybody's like upset for a second. And he's like, look society is casting all of us out and treating us both poorly like if we work together we can like stand up together and it's like he's trying to make this a a peaceful conversation between these two s- supposed sides of the same coin and like bringing them together to make to make a stand together it was like it was an interesting way to like take that that intro of what the FBI is tr- sort of trying to look at these people as and then flip it on its head and use it as a way to unite people together for like peaceful causes instead of this seeming military cause that like the government government was all scared of. So I like that yeah. scene a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that was cool. And it's interesting to compare that to something like black Klansman, uh, where like the Spike Lee's movie, the line is much more clear between like, those are the bad guys and we infiltrating them are the good guys. And, you know, it, it's kind of obvious that the like larger than life Hicks or whatever are the villains of the story. Yeah. And it, it's interesting to see a movie instead where, like, the villains are the system, like, the you know, the villains are the feds and everybody else. And all these people, even if they are, you know, they do have a Confederate flag and they are representing things that are not, you know, great. Um, yeah. But at the same time, like, they still have more in common compared to the FBI than they do have reason to hate each other. And that, uh, I, I don't know, I, I think... Like, people have mentioned that this movie, they felt like it didn't go far enough in the political side. I've heard that criticism of it uh, in a few places, but I feel like as a kind of, like, I don't want to say mainstream because this movie, I have no idea in a world with theaters and humans going to them, like, how big this movie would have been or not, but this feels like a more big budget film that is reaching a wider audience and i feel like there it does a good job of kind of trojan horsing a lot of pretty radical ideas without uh being a movie that feels like it is quote about far left politics or anything like i feel like it does a good job of like hinting at that stuff without being preachy yeah
0: just 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 back up for a second too um just at at the beginning where you were talking about uh not being super not being super into jesse Plemons' character um I think for me, one of the reasons why um, it works so well is because like you talked about the ridiculous portrayal of J. Edgar Hoover and like we don't really see him much, right? Whenever we see him, he's like giving a TED talk on <laughs> on how right. the Black Panthers are the worst thing for the government or whatever. Uh, they they uh,
1: called them Ed talks back then.
0: Oh, gotcha. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> um, but basically, you only see that and then he he goes away. Jesse Plemons is sort of like the mouthpiece of the actions that the administration is taking, but he sort of he's he starts off as sort of the the person who is offering Lakeith Stanfield like a, a nice little job to save him from going to jail. And over time, they sort of become like, it's clear that Lake, Lakeith Stan- Stanfield thinks that he's, like, friends, right? Like, he's going over to the house, he's, like, having drinks and stuff, like, drinking the nice scotch. Um, you know, yeah. going to the fancy restaurants, um, he's getting bonuses, like, he's able to get, like, bonuses for, like, giving good intel and stuff like that. Um, but it's, like, when you watch that, that turn that happens, I feel like Jesse Plemons does... Because even when Jesse Plemons is like, oh, this is going from more than just I'm getting Intel, now I have to start taking bad actions. he, It's like there's two steps before the actions that end up affecting um, Chairman Fred, right? Like <laughs> there's there's the decision from the government, then there is the decision that Jesse Plemons' character has to give to Lakeith Stanfield, and then there's the, the decisions that Lakeith Stanfield has to actually make to participate. And it's like watching him sort of betray... <laughs> leaky stanfield like that that transference is is like an interesting thing and i think that's when you see like the real you see the at first it seems like a simple a simple matter of fact job that he is doing right like hey these organizations they shouldn't operate outside of the law all we're doing is keeping tabs on there We, we need to know what he's capable of blah 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 it seems like this is all innocent like we're just we're just keeping an eye we're just keeping the peace it's all totally nice and then when he has to make that moral decision to do something that is no longer, no longer just a keeping the peace thing, it's he's doing like a a a horrible act now, and and like watching him still push that forward, there's like a, there's like an interesting nuance performance there of just like that sort of being okay with being immoral um, because it's your job. That's like, you know, it's sort of a, a Christoph Waltz and Inglorious Bastards sort of sort of situation, right?
1: Um, right so. Yeah, or maybe uh todd in breaking bad for instance yeah. Um, <laughs> i yeah i i get that like like i think narratively i like that basically all up the chain are people still you know misleading each other like j edgar hoover clearly misled him like like there's moments when uh jesse Plemons character feels betrayed or like he was given half information or like he was you know led to do something without being told the reason why. And the real difference that separates the good people from the bad is how much they're willing to roll with that to maintain the status quo versus, you know, rebel against it. And so, like, yeah, maybe he has a moment of doubt or a moment of conscience, but it passes, like, you know, in two seconds. And that, that, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And Lakia Stanfield has, like, a longer moment of conscience, but he still ultimately does the thing anyway. So, you know, there's different degrees of betrayal.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I just, I just for me the the reason why like the the evilness is 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 like Jesse Plemons is like, eh, it's a living, <laughs> and like Keith Stanfield is like literally in tears as he's like trying to figure out how he's gonna try to carry out the the job yeah. that he has to do. Right, so it's it's kind of like there's like a different level there. Um, yeah i just wanted to, to touch back on sort of like why i did really really like that performance i think in our main review i said i really really want to see him play a a bond villain um eventually mm-hmm. and um uh I, I was i was talking with jamie um after she had seen the film and i was like i really think that like jesse Plemons is like the next Philip Seymour Hoffman, like he's sort of becoming that sort of actor, right? Um, so, I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman was a villain in Mission Impossible. I think, like you know, we're I, I think we're we're approaching that that realm. So,
1: well, as long as we were talking about The Departed too, Jesse Plemons was just announced to be leading the new Scorsese movie that was going to be uh, Leo <laughs> DiCaprio leading it, which. Like, just, like that is where I don't quite understand Jesse Plemons as a star because I cannot imagine him leading a film that would have like anywhere near the vibe of like a Leo DiCaprio film. <laughs> um. Yeah. it just seems interesting. But now Daniel Kaluuya, I want to see him lead like anything. I feel like between this and Widows and Get Out, like, yeah. the dude has range and he like he can be menacing and he can be like incredibly captivating in a positive way and he can be an audience surrogate like he I, I feel like he's just really versatile as an actor. And yeah, I, I really like him in this.
0: And, and I do I do want to piggyback on that too, because I, I, I thought uh, Daniel Cluya was fantastic in this film. Um and you know, I didn't know anything really about German Fred Hampton. Um, but like I feel like I get a sense of of who he was and what he stood for through this performance, and it was really, really impressive to me. Um I because of how much I'm talking about the plot of this film, I've been talking less about him. Um, so I do also want to to celebrate him because obviously he's ama- amazing in this film. I'm just very much a plot guy. <laughs> and that's sort of where I've been focused on for the review.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we we definitely get it. Uh, I also like seeing uh, Dominic Fishback in this movie. She plays uh, the, his kind of romantic interest, Fred Hampton's. I think Tambra yeah. is the character's name. Um I had known her from the Deuce and a few other things before, but I, I I liked her in this role too. Pretty much everyone is cool in this movie. I'm, I mean, yeah. and Lakeith is obviously great too. I just feel like he has gotten to anchor enough things now that everyone kind of knows he's a phenomenal actor already.
0: <laughs> true, true. <laughs> well, uh, any last thoughts about Judas and the Black Messiah?
1: Um, just that I feel like this well isn't tapped yet. Like I would be happy to keep seeing more movies that are set in like the late 60s kind of cultural awakening period. I feel like it is a, I don't know, it's just really interesting and kind of without even having to bend anything, movies become very politically resonant to today just by saying what happened back then. Um, and I feel like that is cool. So I'm, I'm here for it. Like, I hope they're keeping more and more biopics at this time period.
0: Yeah cool um well let's go ahead and get to our verdicts for this episode then Stephen, uh if you were going to give judas and the black messiah a must see record with a caveat wait for rental pass with a caveat or a must avoid what would you give it
1: i'm giving it a must see
0: same uh, must see from me as well uh which if you listen to our sundance review you would know our thoughts on the film but uh but yeah big must see from both of us we had great times watching it Stephen miller this is going to bring us to the end of this episode. So if people want to find me throughout the week, where can they do that?
1: Uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash miller or sdavidmiller.com.
0: People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thesportofthewarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live you can follow us at twitter.com spoiler warning facebook.com slash the warning or instagram.com slash the warning if you want to get a hold of us directly you can send an email to fans at the warning.com or you can use the contact form on our site music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to judas and the black messiah so hopefully you are enjoying that um that's it for this episode we have more episodes to come depends on <laughs> depends on our stamina for the night um but uh yep we're gonna go off and record those So we'll see you in just a moment. Bye. Bye.